Welcome to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. In this episode, we explore the role of arts during crises, as well as how arts and artists are viewed in U.S. mainstream society. We've faced many crises and artistic responses in recent months, including the COVID-19 pandemic, the elevation of the Black Lives Matter movement in the wake of the police killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others, and uncertainty in the face of tenuous economic and political outlooks. My guests today are Bay Area artists and theater makers working to elevate the work of theater arts and artists outside the mainstream and to ensure that all voices are heard among the Bay Area theater arts community. Beatrice Thomas is an interdisciplinary artist, cultural strategist, and equity, diversity, and inclusion consultant with Authentic Arts and Media. Eli Sunny Orkiza is a freelance theater maker in the Bay Area. Brad Erickson is executive director of Theater Bay Area, a theater services organization. And Nikki Martinez is programs coordinator for Theater Bay Area. This is part one of my interview with this incredible panel. Part two will air next week. initial impetus for this was arts in a time of crisis talk about COVID-19 and people aren't paying for it but they are consuming it and where's that disconnect and then of course as I was talking with Brad about doing that we had um, a lot more awareness around the deaths of people in police custody and we thought you know there's actually a a conversation about arts we need to be having that's a little more uh, critical right now and so we've moved it into there and so I'll take my lead from you, but I just want to have a conversation about arts in community, arts in crisis, the role of arts in these times. So the Guardian newspaper, the headline is, in times of crisis, we turn to the arts. Now the arts is in crisis. And they made the case in this article that arts, you know, survival is one thing, but arts teach us how to live. And then they pointed out video games are arts, novels are arts, streaming content is arts, podcasts, etc., music, all the things we turned to initially and all of the things that we turn to when when things when we're trying to understand social issues or comprehend or or be part of movements. And so I'd like to kind of start there and get your sense of arts role right now in this moment for us. Um, Beatrice, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to start. What is the role of arts in your vision right now? The role of arts in my vision has is the same role that the arts has played um, for for ad nauseum for eternity and and I think arts um, are inherently political whether or not you want to call it political or not I mean sure maybe uh, landscapes but I, I even would say that landscapes what are people painting where are they painting like where you know I think that arts is a reflection of the context of the times and if it's if it's the times maybe it's at the times that is like sort of seen through the lens of a particular body a brown body a white body but it's still a reflection and so I think the arts are actually what you saw was at the start of COVID you saw arts like increase inherently arts is a part of every single person's human uh, set of expression tools uh, we, we we go to the arts when we have a need that cannot be satisfied by, uh, you know, science and 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 like, you know, logic, we go to the arts to find answers. Uh, people are moving into self improvement, paintings. We arts is like a naturally occurring um, event of the human condition. 
And so we're seeing arts respond uh, right now because that the time is it's necessary for responses. It's necessary for many reflections of what is happening uh, culturally. And we move into the protests and you see that 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 does need for art and the, the prevalence of art has not stopped. It's increased. So I think I mean, the role of arts. Yeah, it, it is one, the soul of the people and two, two the reflection of, of, of our, our times. Thank you so much. Eli, I saw you nodding your head as Beatrice talked about arts being inherently political. Um, what what resonated with you in that statement? Yeah, I, I think, you know, arts, um, as we kind of grapple globally about the inequalities happening right now um, that have, you know, always existed but are more prevalent and striking in the past few weeks because of the pandemic, I think we are now seeing art um, being used too as a tool to create a stronger community. And, and to really look at ourselves, to redefine and reshape ourselves as individuals on a deeper level as well. I think art, it's so, it's such a privileged way to say, you know, to, to create art for art's sake, because art in itself is right, inherently political. But right now, I think picking up a paintbrush is in itself a political act um, because we are living in, in a capitalist culture where we we tend to consume and consume arts on an you know on a daily basis um and we often overlook um the influx of art that is available to us via technology so i think you know the the role of the arts in our community is just as vital um and as powerful as it has been before um and now it's just being um, magnified in, in a in a larger scale I mean, you know, especially as artists, um, by by creating kind of an Instagram post that is easily digestible and and kind of uh, very alluring to people's eye, you know, that art piece becomes a piece of information to the movement, to the to the community, and to you know to to make knowledgeable people and the individuals who are in this fight together to um, asking for, for that equitable and just world that we are always striving for as artists. That's an interesting point you make about um, art provides knowledge, and it does. It provides knowledge, and it also provides us with windows, right? Like, if I don't have that perspective, then I can pick up a piece of art in whatever way and somehow, in a more visceral sense, I mean, with my brain and my soul and my heart, somehow capture a piece of what that might be like and maybe create a little bit more empathy. Beatrice, you had a comment about that. Just to share that, you know, we are our stories. As much as the, the you know, many of our uh, power brokers would like to strip us of our stories, we are our stories. We are humans. We are creatures of experience. We have the a gift of language. We have the gift of so many languages, which is about sharing story, you know, not just information. And so when we understand that we are our stories and that art, that art is reflecting those stories, it's another language. Our stories are our ability to change. Our stories are the windows to our emotions. Our stories are absolutely everything that can bring us together and create understanding where there is no understanding. Art, I, I, I challenge anyone, you know, academic writers, I challenge you to, to, to create something that has the ability 
to impact and change and shift people both on an intellectual level and on an emotional level. I challenge you all. I, I will stand with my artists and we will just stand here, wait, <laughs> and let's, ha- you know, let's, let's battle it out because, because art is what carry it, it blends those two things, the logic and the emotion. And you can find, you can find the, the truths, plural, yeah. <laughs> when you put those things together. Art, we are our story. Yes. yes. And to piggyback on that, you know, like, Culture is fueled by arts, right? It's made up of customs that we create together, the social interactions that we have and the activities that we kind of do together, right? As a community. Um, so it's all in, in, intrinsically tied together, which is so, so beautiful. That's true. Yeah, it's funny. I always, I teach uh, copyright for content creators and journalists. And it's that, when I talk to them, why do you think we even have copyright? And the, those who sort of conceived of it initially were thinking to protect culture, to make sure people who create the culture that we then benefit from are somehow compensated for it. Like that was the initial impetus for copyright law, which is very enlightening. And I'm not quite sure we come to the same conclusion today in our mainstream uh, lens. And so I want to talk a little bit about the mainstream lens and a few things have, have come up. One, I think about maybe some of my own family members and they're like, art, political, what? No, I'm just using art to escape. I'm going to go watch my favorite TV show. What are you talking about? So how might you respond to that? Nikki, let me let me bring you in here. How might you respond to, to that sort of viewpoint of art? It's funny because like, I talk about this with my family specifically all the time. Um, and I basically have them talk about like their favorite show. Like what are the aspects of the show? There's like a beginning, middle and end, and there's a drama. What is the drama usually around or like a novella? And it's usually about somebody like cheating or money dynamics or, you know, um, societal dynamics. And I'm like, whether you like it or not, we're surrounded in political feelings. And whenever, whenever you're like watching or digesting a story there's going to be something that you are going to be related to. That's why you have favorite characters. That's why you agree with somebody or don't agree with somebody on a show. Like it's all about your own personal morals, as well as just like thinking about the outside world and like, what would you do in a situation like that? Um, And it also like has this guise, right? arts is sort of like a safe space to sort of explore these issues without feeling the need to um, become defensive or anything or have a debate. It's very much just like processing and seeing a work that somebody has written or produced or um, acted on and you're able to sort of like sit back and actually acknowledge this story that is unraveling before you and interpret it in the way that you would like. so again, I feel like arts is a very, it's a safe space in a way of just like tricking the audience to be like, hey, this is my message, please listen. I know it's entertaining, but this is what I'm trying to get at to all of you. Um, whether it be about you know, racism or homophobia or things like that. Like I know a lot of people watched, like when I was in high school, Glee was a really big thing. I didn't like it because it was boring, but it did talk about very important topics. Um, <laughs> I, I hated it. I was just like, what is the point of this? But it was nice because more people started becoming open to like this idea of like queerness in schools and like this idea that it happens a lot earlier than people 
think it does like it's not a choice it actually it's there um so it was nice to see that even though i don't like the show personally but it was like oh cool people are actually realizing it now i guess it's a good show for that reason you brought up a few things about like art tricking you into actually hearing a message that you might not hear if you're given it you know directly um and 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 also arts being a safe space to explore or to learn about uh different things and i think glee is just such a fantastic example because it was a very um it was such a very uh, what's the word uh, that i'm trying uh, it, it was a widely liked show it it, it 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 mainstream america connected with it um and and it did open up these new ideas and whether you like something or hate something we can acknowledge that it, it can start conversation or it can spearhead or, or um, advance the conversations. And that's, I think, also another really powerful, the, even the hate. You know, when you have a reaction, that's, that, is, that is art. Mm-hmm. Um, Beatrice. The ability for Nikki to grow up being able to hate a show that has teen queers on it is a marker of progress, sadly right i love it like when i give you thumbs up for like hating glee i am like right because there's now enough representations on television that you have the option of choosing Mm -hmm. to like or dislike something so i just i i feel like these are this is it's never been the the problem with the single soul representation it has always been the lack of representations Right. Instead of instead of allowing the one whatever group member that's not mainstream to be on TV and then not letting anyone else on until that person's done. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing more. You're right. Like I don't have you know, we don't have to like that one show with the one person who's like us on there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we, we can we can actually choose based on the content of the show how we feel. And you, God, what a great point, Beatrice. I appreciate that. We're in this moment that feels very tumultuous. Um, for a lot of us in our lifetimes, it's not been like this. Maybe people who are a little older can point to the 60s um, and, and, and all of that. But we're really in this moment where, um, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure we agree that I, I'm kind of horrified by what's happening at the federal level um, almost every hour um and i'm uh and then watching you know this pandemic kind of continue to grow and uh and and yet appreciating how can i say this i appreciate i love that there's art for us to connect with but i'm actually glad i'm a huge sports fan and i'm actually glad there hasn't been sports because i feel like that distraction has been taken away allowing us to focus on what's in front of us. And I also think the art that we're consuming or that we have, even though it can be an escape, can also allow us to focus on issues and concepts and ideas in ways that maybe sports doesn't, although sports has its own lessons. And and so here we are and we're paying attention so that when the next person gets, when the next person of color gets killed when. Uh, in a way that seems, yeah, yeah, when we, by, by a police officer or in a questionable or suspicious or horrifying way we actually all can pay attention to that and wrestle with it and grapple with it and I think artists are doing that as well but at the same time you know I want to talk about the fact that as we turn to arts and rely on it we see that arts funding is being challenged Uh, you know the, the article in the Guardian was basically hey Australia 
pay pay for arts because it's how we live. And you see in England, there's a commitment now to um, potentially to fund theaters in London because the idea of allowing arts to atrophy and potentially die in this moment is untenable. And here in the U.S., um, we're not necessarily seeing that commitment from our government institutions. Brad shakes his head. <laughs> so, so, so we have organizations working hard to try to fill those gaps, although those gaps are difficult to fill. So, Brad, I'm wondering if you can address that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's really true. We did see in the news yesterday that Great Britain is going to invest $2 billion in their arts sector um, to help them get through the COVID crisis because all of our theater companies, I think, as everybody knows, are basically not making any money at all, right? Because there are no shows going on, so there's no one is selling a ticket. People are trying to get people to pay for stuff that they're streaming online, but really that's not working. So it's mainly just out there for free, which is great in a way, except, you know, the companies aren't making any money, actors aren't making any money, designers aren't making any money, artists are out of work, and the companies are struggling to just make it through. And, you know, we do not, we, we've been, we have some support that has come from the federal state has not jumped in yet, although they're looking at maybe trying to do something. And the city has, some cities have put out some, but it's not much. Um, probably the biggest thing that we had access to was, and this really came from um, Speaker Pelosi, was um, including arts and other nonprofits in the Small Business Administration's uh, payment protection program that the PPP loans, which are forgivable, meaning it becomes a grant if you use it to pay for people's salaries. And that was, that was important, but then that's basically up people who've gotten that that's run out. And now, you know, we're looking at maybe next winter, maybe next spring before theaters start opening up again, maybe, and maybe it won't even be that. So how, we're able to support our organizations to just make it through to the other end of this thing is really a crucial question because these artists are not going to be rehired and repaid if there aren't organizations to hire them and pay them. So it's, it's a very difficult situation. And we certainly don't want to say that we're in worse shape than others in the economy, but we have experienced it. The arts are experiencing this downturn in a very significant way. And all of the different scenarios that are put out, the arts, theater, performing arts are the last to reopen. So we'll be in it the longest. And I think if there's a, an argument that can be put out there that we are going to be in this trough for a very, very long time. Hopefully that can be convincing to some folks. You're listening to News in Context. I'm Gina Valeria. We're talking about the role of arts in crises. My guests today are Beatrice Thomas, interdisciplinary artist, cultural strategist, and equity, diversity, and inclusion consultant with Authentic Arts and Media. Eli Sunny Orkiza, freelance theater maker in the Bay Area. Brad Erickson, Executive Director of Theater Bay Area, a theater services organization, and Nikki Martinez, Programs Coordinator for Theater Bay Area. My colleague at Californians for the Arts, the Executive Director there, likes to say that the arts are the second responders in a crisis. The first responders, of course, are the, you know, are the, are the firemen and the, you know, the folks who are like saving you from the fire or whatever the actual crisis is. And the arts are there to heal and to bring our communities back together. And we need, we need the arts to be there. We need theater artists to still be with us in terms of like with us to re-enter the sector when we're ready to reopen. And we will need some help with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So why this disconnect? Why this disconnect in specifically, I know it's we're not alone in this, but specifically in our society between the value of arts and the way we consume it. I mean, if we look at all of our behavior, that we do value it without re- and and this idea of it should be free or uh, why should I pay for that? That seems superfluous or frivolous. What, why Why do you all think this disconnect is here? Nikki, would you like to, I saw you, you're nodding, so I'm curious if you'd like to. Yeah, it's just funny because like I attended my sister's virtual graduation. She graduated high school, the same high school I graduated from, um, as well as my fiance, we both graduated from the same school. So we wanted to check out and see what they wanted to do virtually. And it was very telling because nothing has changed. Um, We graduated from Cappuccino High School in San Bruno. And the whole segment was literally focusing on all the jocks. So it was like baseball, it was the football team, it was the cheerleaders um, and tennis players. Like there, there were like big sections where it told about their accomplishments. You didn't hear anything about the arts because like my sister, she's a guitar player and she has her own little band that she plays at school. None of the um, none of the arts were mentioned. Orchestra wasn't mentioned. Band was like barely there, but it was mainly to talk about like, oh, <laughs> we're uplifting the freaking football players. And it was very much apparent that it was like, you know, the arts are not valued in high school. They're not valued in schools anyway and you could see that in the government it's sort of like I was talking to this with my fiance of just like it's very high school the way that like the federal government is acting in regards of just like thinking of like what is priority let us save ourselves first before looking at everything else what doesn't matter to me um sports are something that people are like looking into like trying to find ways and engage around it And like, there's nothing happening for the arts. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, Eli. I think the idea that the arts is not as valued as the STEM STEM classes um, are are deeply ingrained in our subconsciousness uh, early age, right? As we start in this educational um, journey uh, uh, from first grade to to high school. Um, and, And partly because you know, to, speaking f- for myself and my own culture is that we are told not to pursue the arts because it's not a lucrative endeavor. You know, we always have art classes that are electives as, of, as opposed to the main focus of the curriculum, um, which, which again, tries to devalue or tries to dismiss um, the credibility of arts. And, and you know, in the larger scheme of things, it ties back to capitalism and how you can't test arts where where you can test sciences and math and you have this, you know, data that you get. Um, and arts is so intrinsically um, focuses on emotional intelligence um, and, and all those soft skills that there is not quite a metric assessment tools to, to, to to, to justify that, although recent studies have said that, you know, arts are, you know, linked to whatever thing that, 
captures the human essence. Yeah, yeah. Beatrice. I want to like underscore what Eli is saying and then also say like, Eli, you know, they know how to test. They know how to test for the arts. They know how to measure. We know how to measure. Um, it's a value issue. It's, it's that they don't see these connections. Like, how are you going to do math before you learn to write? How do you learn to write without the first person who put a mark on a wall? Right? How did you learn to create diagrams? That's a drawing. Like, this is a problem with our country's values. This is a problem with our country's values, period. All of it, really. Um, and I think that because, because it is measurable, and you know we've been saying it for years. I think the capitalism piece is a really important piece, right? That you brought up, Eli. It's that I and I wanted to just backtrack to something. I'm so sad Brad yeah. popped off, but I I wanted to backtrack to, to something that Brad had brought up, which is that like you know making a, a real blanket statement about no no theaters are making money, no artists are doing you know et cetera. And I, I want to say that if we let's not value it around money, right? Let's start to look at there are theaters who are just not making work for whatever reason, they're not able to make work. Well, I just went to some popping events at Bindlestiff Theater online and money was flowing. Tickets were being sold, people were getting tipped, money was flowing, right? And I've been to queer events online, art events, and money is flowing and, 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 um, Solidarity economics, mutual aid, like there are systems uh, that sustain the arts that many communities who are not a part of the mainstream and are not a part of the mainstream culture of giving from foundations that are handling things. They are at the beginning of something. They have been cultivating uh, communities online and in person. So I think that, we, you know, when we go back uh, just to step back there and then to pull it back to where Eli is at is that, you know, capitalism is limiting, it's, it's showing the divisions in our society. And we're seeing it fall along. It's that marginalized folks have had to figure out other pathways and options. And we are seeing that our systems at the top that have been really written in to access and privilege, you know, because we you know, capitalism was their rules. Our government is following rules that were made inequitable. So, you know, um, they are struggling in a system that was that that was made for them that's no longer working, right? So I think it's just acknowledging that we have, there are two different kinds of experiences that people are having in the arts. It's all dire, I'm not gonna say it's not, but there are some folks who are using this time to not only remember we must thrive, but also remember we have to pivot. We, and, and like, we are not burdened by the, um, I mean, we'd love to be burdened by the unending streams of, of, you know, foundational support, but we aren't burdened by that in terms of how we have to visualize ourselves forward. We have visioned ourselves forward, people of color, queer people, um, trans folks have been visioning themselves forward in adversity in the arts, ad nauseum forever. So I just I just wanted to like lay that down um, so that we can understand that the foundation of sort of white capitalism is what is failing many white facing institutions, Yeah, right? I appreciate that because my goal 
is to push these conversations more out into the collective space, right into the mainstream space. We're finally talking about systems in a way that's meaningful in the mainstream spaces. And I think that's really important. And I'm so glad you brought it up. One, because systems are created to benefit those who create them. And we do it like in my household, I'm going to create a system that benefits me. And if if I have other people in the household, you know, what? <laughs> they're going to have to live within that or we have to come, we have to work it out. So it's like it's human nature to do that. Um, but but here we are in this large scale sense doing it. And finally, the system has been contorted in such a way that it's almost too protective. And so it falls apart. Right. Because uh, it, it is capitalism, but it's not capitalism for everyone. Thank you to this incredible panel. Beatrice Thomas is an interdisciplinary artist, cultural strategist, and equity, diversity, and inclusion consultant with Authentic Arts and Media. Eli Sunny Orquiza is a freelance theater maker in the Bay Area. Brad Erickson is executive director of Theater Bay Area, a theater services organization. And Nikki Martinez is programs coordinator for Theater Bay Area. This has been part one of our interview. You can hear part two next week. Music in this episode includes Spring Fling by Track Tribe and The Heist by Silent Partner. In addition to hearing news in context every Friday at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 in San Francisco, you can hear it on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, and PRX. We're also on Twitter at NewsInContextSF, and you can find links to all of that at NewsInContext.net. I'm Gina Valeria. Thank you for listening.